Hello and welcome to the NBA podcast. It's always Media Thursday and today is Thursday with the editor, Justin Pierce, me and also uh, the publisher, Andy Oates. So Andy, what we're talking about today, I think let's kick off and talk about what we're doing in about half an hour's time, an hour's time, going down to, again, to the Crown 2 chairman, the centre of Media Soho, uh, to host and help moderate Independent Publishers, Publishers Alliance event. <laughs> yes, you're looking at me for some insight in this, but you, <laughs> you put it in my diary, so I'm not well, 100% certain what we're well, doing. Well, we sort of mentioned this before the podcast, the Independent Publishers Alliance is, as it says, uh Alliance set up by Alex Newbery to look after the interests of independent publishers, and it's it's kind of fascinating when you when you talk to talk to Alex and talk to Ellen involved in this, because obviously, although the AOP, the IAB, uh, look after publishers, the potentially smaller publishers, but still with very big, valuable audiences, often often get overlooked. So it's always fascinating to talk to them, and that's what we're doing later today. We we'll look forward to that. Um, I think it's important that we could talk about a couple of things you've been up to this week. Um, well, let's talk about the first thing. The first thing you didn't do this week was you gave up tickets to the James Bond premiere. Well, I was too busy getting ready to record the Always Media Thursday podcast. Um, it takes a lot of preparation. Is it? Or, yeah. I have a theory. <laughs> What's your theory? Are you the next James Bond? Uh, you might think that. I couldn't possibly comment. There's rumours, but you know, I, I, can't, I can't talk much. I can see you, uh, instead of a martini, probably with a pint of pale ale on the go and I, and I think you'd make a very good James Bond thank you me too um other thing that's happened this week is you went to interview Sir Martin Sorrell I did yeah uh last time I interviewed him was on stage at Madfest in in July obviously they're big partners of NDA so I think it's always amazing talking to talk to Sir Martin uh he, he has his critics sometimes but no matter what he says everything he says has huge import and it's just quite fascinating we sat down about an hour at this office in St. James talking about, about the market, about sort of what agencies need to do to evolve and get better, obviously about the network agencies and their failings, and S4's can continued incredible growth. So it was really a fantastic interview, and that's coming up on NDA soon. But as I say, it's always really fascinating talking to someone that's got so much influence, and also not just sort of influence and, uh, and power, but can look back over the last 20 years or more over the sort of the, almost the birth of the advertising industry in the UK, uh, what's happened. So it's, yeah, it's always great to talk to him. Cool. Um, what sort of news stories have taken your uh, interest this week? What news stories have taken? Well, I know what news stories have has taken your interest this week, which I'm sort of conflicted about how fascinating I, I find it. Uh, it's, it's one of those scandals and music scandals and how you pitch it, but you can talk about it because you do find it very interesting. I'm not quite sure. Okay, so uh, the New York Times this week reported a story about um, OZ Media in the US. Um, they are one of the darlings of the digital media scene over there. They boast massive figures uh, that aren't always necessarily borne out by what Comscore says. Um, but everybody seems to love them. Um, they've had investment from Axel Springer. They've uh, got some very rich individuals in, in work, yeah, working with them. And interestingly, Goldman Sachs were interested in making an investment in them. Uh, well, now one of the things Goldman Sachs was interested in was how they performed on YouTube. So a call was set up between the execs of OZ Media and Adrian Piper at YouTube. 
Now, before the call starts, there's a, there's a bit of hassle, and uh, Adrian Piper from YouTube says, oh, I, I can't get on the conference call. Uh, I can't get on the, the Zoom call. Can we just do an old-fashioned audio conference call? And when they get on the line, what, what becomes apparent is that the voice does seem to have been changed, and it turns out that it wasn't Adrian Piper from YouTube on the call um, to tell the investors, potential investors from Goldman Sachs about how wonderfully OZ Media performs on YouTube. As it turns out, it was one of the founders of OZ Media, Samir Rao, uh, claiming to be Adrian Piper from YouTube. Now, this obviously seems to have uh, caused a few issues. Goldman Sachs have subsequently withdrawn their offer investment. Um, YouTube were very upset. And I think uh, if you can read the New York Times piece, are interested looking at whether a crime has actually been committed or whether looking at the security breach. And, and it's become a very interesting one because you know, obviously then they said that the guy was suffering from mental health issues, which seems to be the get out cause clause for all and everything at the moment. But a lot of people have come out and said, well, this is interesting, isn't it? Because this, those media don't seem to be able to back up a lot of their claims. Um, now, Brian Morrissey in his must read newsletter said that he'd never seen a piece of uh, organic content from Ozzy across his uh, screen. Um, Ozzy Media have countered this and the Carlos Watson, you can go on his Twitter feed and, and uh, read what he says about it. Interesting, you'll see there's the man who's never believed in the phrase, never retweet praise. Um, but he refutes all this entirely and says, that the current way of judging media figures is outdated. Maybe that's something we can talk to our special guest about in a minute. Oh, our special guest, yeah. Exactly. Our special guest. Um, and that Comscore doesn't get them. Now, they're claiming 20 million new subscribers, email subscribers in the US, which is a sizable chunk of their population. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, I guess it's interesting story because it does show the, the issues still around around online metrics and trusting them or not it's, it's an endemic problem that keeps on going uh but yeah we i do like the fact that impersonations are always good and we need more impersonations that's well, my that, take of that story uh, but yeah we can talk to our special we, guest yes. coming soon about well, we can see our special guest on the screen so we know he is the real but the real version of who he says or he is. maybe he's in disguise we don't know that oh, well that, that could happen that could happen should we should we talk to our special guest yeah let's bring him on our special guest john new the ceo of the iab uk and we're going to talk to him on a very exciting week uh the release of the latest iab figures john hi how are you doing Hello, I'm doing very well, thank you. And I think I am the real John Mew. Is that a fancy right. dress? Is, sorry, is that fancy dress? Yeah. Um, I don't. I mean, I think I, I like to think I look quite fancy, but uh, not too fancy. <laughs> you do, John. Yeah, so we'll have to do this as a video cast later because uh, what viewers can't see is you look a little bit like Grayson Perry in your outfit. Today. <laughs> <laughs> I do my best. <laughs> So as I just mentioned, you've released your latest figures today and always sort of a big moment. And they're hugely, I guess, reassuring and positive. Do you want to take us mm. through exactly what they were or the highlights of them? Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, we do we do add spend numbers um, twice a year. Uh, in the middle of the year, we lo- we publish a kind of a slightly smaller study, but that looks at sort of the top line numbers um, for the first half of the year. And I have to say... Having worked at the IAB for a long time now, I've seen about 20 of these studies published. And I, I think this one is the most intriguing out of all of them, because given the context of uh, what's happened over the last sort of 18 months and 
how the industry has responded. Um, so, uh, I, I mean, in, in summary, you know, H1 uh, for 2021 was, was 10.5 billion spent on digital advertising in the UK, which is up 49% year on year, which is staggering. It's the highest ever increase we've seen, which when you think about the early days of how quickly digital grew, you know, that, that in itself, I think, is, is absolutely staggering, given how big digital is now and the fact it's still able to grow by, you know, almost 50% year on year. Um, obviously, the first half of last year that we're benchmarking it against was a, a, an incredibly tough year where a lot of advertisers stopped spending. But even if you go back two years to 2019, there's still a 42% growth on that. In, in the first half of 2021. So a massive growth overall. Um, search is still the, the majority of spends at 5.5 billion, which was up uh, 49%. Um, I, I guess if you're looking at the things that stand out, um, it, it's it's been the same story for a while now, but video and mobile really driving that growth. Video is up 70%, um, 2.3 billion. Um, and mobile was up 75%, so now 64% share um, of ad spend, which, again, is incredible. And, and I think that the, the context thing, if you think about the context of the first half of this year, it's easy to forget we were all indoors for most of it um, because the world has has got a bit more of a sense of normality about it now. It's <laughs> You forget up until about May, um, which was near, you know, the majority of H1, we were still in lockdown. We were indoors, yet digital ad spend has soared and mobile has soared, despite the fact we weren't mobile. Yeah, I always find that kind of interesting, uh, you know, criticisms of mobile when you're not mobile. The mobile phone's in your hands all the time. And yeah. things, people always used to make quips about AR codes on the tube and stuff. Well, of course, you, you just click on your tube and then uh, activated when you got, go out of doors. So I sort of get that. You know, mobile is just one of the devices we use to, to live online. So I can't, I can see how that's, you know, why did the pandemic really affect it? But what, what, are you, what are you seeing in terms of what's coming up? I know you can't, really, you know, you can't speak in the year ahead in terms of figures, but when you talk to your members and all that sort of stuff, what's the feeling? Is it, is it as optimistic as this report paints? It, it is optimistic. I mean, obviously it's been a very mixed bag. Um, and, and what we saw, particularly if you wind back a year, was the, the difference was a lot starker, I think, between the companies that were winning and those that were losing. But I think what we've seen is an incredible amount of change in a very short space of time. So really sort of accelerated change. So um, uh, businesses were forced to make long-term decisions. They were likely to make very, very quickly. And a lot of that meant sort of investing in digital and, and really investing in the things that they thought were going to work for the longer term. Um, e-commerce is a great example of that. Um, I mean, there are different stats out there, but we we saw probably something like five, six, seven years of growth um, sort of sandwiched into last year in, in terms of e-commerce and, and what was happening, which was, you know, absolutely phenomenal because as a country, the UK is already very, uh, e-commerce based um and it, but, you know the, the, the there's a lot of things we've uh, criticized the government for i think over the last 
a uh, couple of years, but actually having a clear roadmap out of um, out of the pandemic and out of COVID with the vaccine programmes actually gave brands some confidence, I think. And we saw in the Bellwether report, the IPA report, that showed the biggest kind of increase in confidence for, I think, nine quarters. Um, so I think there were lots of sort of positive signs. And actually, the majority of businesses now, I think, are starting to see so, or have seen significant growth in their digital activities. So let's talk a bit about uh, what you're doing at the IEB and the office. We're talking about the office on this podcast, and so we're quoting this from the office. Um, you know, companies are uh, going at greater or lesser speeds back to the office. So what's the IEB doing? What's the IEB's return to the office policy? And also, I guess, what's your view as CEO of the IEB on the, the position of the, of the office and its importance or not in, in our industry? Um, yeah, so so for us personally, we are we are encouraging everyone to come in a couple of days a week, um, and we're doing one day a week where we try and get everyone in on a Wednesday, and then the other days is, is up to them. And that varies a bit. Well, I mean, we're only a relatively small team, but that varies a bit because for some people, you know, they don't have to be in the office, and if people are really uncomfortable, you know, we're not forcing them to come in. Um, it's it's a really really interesting time, isn't it? I think the the, the danger is for businesses is assuming things will just go back to the way they are. I think that's probably the biggest danger. And um, assuming that you can still expect to, to tell your teams, you know, that, that they have to be in the office five days a week. Because I think that that time has passed. Um, and certainly if you look at the majority of our members, I mean, it's always interesting, I think, when you look at the big, the big, corporations and what are they doing and most of those are starting to make tentative steps back into the office now some are saying the start of next year um but they're all you know sort of experimenting with perhaps it's three days a week in the office for some um it it, 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 as soon as you start to try and mandate things though i think it becomes difficult it's such a difficult balance i think isn't it people expect flexibility and as soon as you take some of that away, um, it, it's, you know, when, when someone's been used to something for, you know, getting on for two years, it's quite a hard thing to take away from, from people. Definitely. And we need to have lunch pretty soon in the diary because it's been quite a while since we had lunch and the world is getting back to normal. So. Yes, that would be lovely. What about what about events? Uh, obviously, the IB put a lot of events. Um, I've sort of uh, spoke out and taken part on some of your great events. Yeah. He, again, is... It's a key industry um, flagpole sort of things. What's your view on how events are going to change? And, and, and um, yeah, so so we we took the decision very early on um, when the pandemic started that we were just going to pause physical events for a year and a half. Um, which, in hindsight, I'm, I'm pleased that we did because we it forced us to very quickly experiment and try and work out you know what what's going to work in the new world. Um, I think the difficulty is around hybrid. So, so I think um, most events we're seeing some kind of hybrid element to them, where there's an online and offline, and it's a tricky balance to get right. And we, I think, like everyone, we've struggled with it. Um, but I think you've got to put yourselves. Well, it depends what sort of business you are, right? But if you're in a business where you're you're trying to well, for us anyway, trying to keep our customers, our members happy, you've got to put yourself in their shoes and what do they want? They don't want to be 
But on the one hand, they don't want to be forced to come to something if they're uncomfortable. On the other hand, some people are desperate to get out. So getting that blend right is tricky. I think us, like many, are trying to do that through a balance of some events will be in person, some, but likely most of those will have some kind of digital element to them. Um, certainly the big ones will. Uh, but there'll be a lot more digital events now than you know we used to have. John, hi. Um, there's an interesting piece in DigiDay today, and I, and I know it's about IAB Europe, but I wonder if you have a view on this. The, um, IAB Europe are suspending some consent management firms. Uh, I wonder if you had any more background on that, whether that's something that you... I know you're obviously you're separate bodies, but yeah. you are linked. But I wonder if that's something that you can talk about a bit and whether that's something you guys are looking at. Uh, yeah, so it's... It, I mean, it's not something that we... Basically, that is from the, the the consent framework from the TCF. Um, so that's that's managed by them. So, um, but what they've done is been very proactive in, um, you know, looking at how people are using the TCF um, and trying to weedle out the sort of the worst offenders, those that aren't using it properly. So, from our point of view, we think it's a really positive thing to be. Um, you know, it's always a tricky balance for us, really, because we're not, um, you know, we're not the internet police, but uh, at the same time, you want to try and encourage. I mean, mainly we operate by trying to encourage the good actors, um, but sometimes, you know, you have to draw a line under those that you know aren't doing things properly. So for us, I think it seems like a really sensible thing to do. And you know, I know you're not the internet police, but the ICO sort of are. Um, yeah. They are, yes. They are. They are definitely internet <laughs> special uniforms made. But do you think they've been tough enough? I mean, there's there's again been some reaction this week about the lack of GDPR fines that have been issued. Um, is that something that you think they should be a little bit tougher on? Or, should, or do you think that they're taking more of your approach by celebrating those who are doing it well? No, no. I No, I, their job is not to just celebrate the best ones. I think you're absolutely right. Their, their role is to uh, enforce the rules. I, I mean, from our point of view, we've had a really productive relationship with them over the last couple of years. You know, they launched their investigation into um, digital advertising um, a couple of years back. And from that point on, in particular, we've, we've had an excellent working relationship with them where they took a very sort of practical approach of let's solve the problems. Yeah. Um, so w- w- what we've tried to do is lay out... Um, I guess a plan for companies and information for companies of look, how do you, what are the things you need to do to make sure you're not going to fall foul of the ICO? Um, so we've got kind of clear guidance on that now. Um, it, it's, yeah, I think they're in a very tough place because whichever way they, they go, they're going to get criticised from one way or another. To me, I think they've they've taken a sort of practical way forward, trying to work with industry, engage people, um, and solve the issues that exist. Cool. Um, let's not talk about that anymore. Let's talk about you've got the upfronts coming up next week. Yes, we do. Yeah. Yes, we're we're very excited. You, know, you should know about that. Yeah. 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 No. No. I, I do know about it, and I'm um, I'm very excited about it. We've got some uh, some incredible events coming up. From uh, we've got events that are looking at sort of specific sectors. Um, so from gaming and podcast up front. And then we've got 
brands that are doing events as well. So, um, you know, Amazon, Facebook, Google, etc. We, we've got some brilliant sessions lined up and some very, very special guests lined up as well, which I'm very excited about. You, you, you forgot to ask us, John. You forgot to ask us, um, you know. <laughs> the yeah. It goes without saying, surely. <laughs> There. Well, John, look, we're sort of coming out of time, so thank you so much for dropping in. Uh, congratulations on that amazing report, and hope to see you again for lunch in the real world, round the corner, in a Soho restaurant very, very soon. On you, hopefully. Look forward to it. Thank <laughs> you. Much, thank you. Well, always amazing to see John Mew, one of the industry's best uh, and really encouraging great results from their report. Uh, do you want to say hello to Katie Dayton? I do, I do think we should say hello to Katie Dayton. Hi, Katie. Um, if you don't know Katie Dayton, Katie Dayton is high-flying uh, Wall Street Journal reporter um, and former former drum reporter uh, who sent us some very kind feedback on our podcast. Even though she didn't come to our party last week. Yeah. She wasn't in New York, but excuses. excuses okay, so excuses. we're not really worried about her. And who else gave us kind feedback? And I think it was Lisa from View. She did. Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much. That was lovely to hear. Um, so if you too want to give us kind feedback about our podcast and then hear your name read back. Or, or be very mean about it. That's it. Equally, equally appropriate. Well, I, I, I tend to screen those emails from oh, you. I like it. I like, <laughs> I like them bad. Uh, other journalist news, Lara O'Reilly, she was on the BBC Radio uh, media show. Uh, yesterday or this week she was excellent uh, and that's probably about it this week so thank you so much for listening and we will see you again next week it's bye bye from me and it's definitely bye bye from me and thank you for listening